we're going to talk today about change. We may talk about it next week too, but we've talked about this a little bit, and we left this subject, but we're back. You know, times of change, uh, times of change that bring change. And in the Bible, there is a lot to say about change. And uh, this is going to be, I believe, a real interesting topic for people because we always face change in life. And there are many things that change. There's changes people want. There's changes God wants. You with me? Many times, some of the changes we want, God does want. And I am convinced of this, that God leads us into change. And God really is a God, even though the Bible said, I am the Lord, I change not, there are certain things that he has changed at various times uh, so that life could be completely different on an ongoing basis. As a matter of fact, if you'll open up your Bible to John 16, we're going to look at probably about three areas of change, but there are a lot of changes. And there are some changes that if you're not aware, you can miss out. In other words, there are things that change, and if we don't know that they change, we could practice our old ways and not have things in life. And we could miss out. So John 16, verse 23, these scriptures right here uh, that we're about to read, Jesus taught right before he died and right before he rose again. And so he taught some things and he made some interesting statements. And he was really talking about changes that would come that would really change the order of life for everybody. I mean, everybody. Notice this in the 23rd verse, John 16. He said, and in that day, he said, you will ask me nothing. In other words, in this time that is to come, you will no longer ask me for anything. Well, they had been traveling with him, talking to him, asking him stuff on a regular basis. And he said, the time is coming, and it's coming real soon, that from now on, you will no longer ask me for anything. So that means whenever this time came until whenever, you just wouldn't ask him stuff. Well, that's interesting, because... I thought we talked to Jesus. I, I thought he was the Lord. Notice what he said. He said, in that day, and it doesn't mean like Tuesday. Like, you know, when people say things like this, you know, back in my day. You know, you ever heard your parents say, back in my day. That didn't mean like last Tuesday. That meant a time frame. And so what he was saying, there is a time frame coming. And he said, in that day, he said, you will ask me nothing. That's interesting. You'll ask me nothing. Most assuredly, I say to you. In other words, he's saying, absolutely, this is the truth. And I'm telling you, whatever you will ask the Father in my name. So he said, 
from now on, you don't ask me, but whatever you ask the Father in my name. What does that mean? Ask the Father in my name. No longer do you ask me questions, do you talk to me, but what you do is when you ask God the Father, he said you could ask in my name. That may not have significance to people, but to God, it has huge, huge significance. You know, people know rich people. At least, maybe we might not know anybody personally, but we know Bill Gates, the guy who owns Microsoft. And if you were his kid, and his kid said to you, from now on, whenever you go to the store, you can bring my checkbook and sign my name. And how many of you know that if you had that legal right, you could get whatever you want? And he's like, that would be really cool. But Jesus said that. He said, from now on, you're not going to ask me, but you're going to ask the Father, and you're going to do it in my name. He was giving the legal right, the legal right to people to use his name to pray. And he said, from now on, this is how you're going to do it. Uh, wouldn't that be really cool from a natural standpoint to know that you could sign a check from somebody who's got billions and billions and billions and tens of billions of dollars, and you could, anything that fits underneath that category of his finances, you could get that. You could get it. It's a legal right. And if somebody said, no, 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 you can't do that. Kids, when they know where their parents, you know, like if they're a company, own a company or something like that. I know when my grandfather was a pastor of a church, a real, real big church. I remember when people say, you can't go there. I'd say, yeah, I can. They probably didn't appreciate me. But I'm like, yeah, my grandpa's so-and-so. In other words... I'm out of here. I'm going to do what I want. I'm going here. I remember I, this thing was like three stories high. It was a city block deep. There were parts they didn't even use, and I'd go, go places nobody went. I'd be back in there climbing around in places. I mean, this is a huge church. It was the biggest one in their denomination. And I mean, I'd be in places, and people would find me coming out of somewhere, and, hey, you can't be in the, um, You know, I'm like six or seven. Stop right there. My grandfather is, and so I was just signing. I recognized in myself that there was authority in that name right there. But there is authority in heaven that's been given to whoever. He said, in that day, you don't even have to ask me anything. He said, but you could sign my name, and it'd be granted to you. In other words, what is that saying? It's not based on your own ability to get answers to prayer. From that time forward, or what we could say, because we're talking about change. This change since D Jesus died and rose again, and from the time he died and rose again until he returns, this is how we do it. He said, you could ask anything. You could sign in my name. Well, then you have to be confident in him, understanding what he provided for you. Because then you can boldly ask in his name and notice what he said, not what I said, what he said, and in that day you will ask me nothing. Most assuredly or absolutely, I say to you, whatever you ask the Father in my name, he will give it to you. I mean, you could buy 
any car in Bill Gates' name. Is there a car that you could not buy with his billions? I don't even know of a billion-dollar car. And he's got multiple, multiple, multiple billions. You could get it. You could just sign the name. And isn't that true? People give today the power of attorney to people to control their finances, to control different things. But Jesus gave us the power of eternity, or eternity, but eternity, power of attorney. Think about it. He said, you can use my name. That is a huge change that if you don't know about, you might try it like a four-leaf clover or, you know, some kind of rabbit's foot. But he said, you don't have to. You could just sign boldly. You could just, you could just do it. I mean, isn't that what he's saying? Most assuredly, he just said, he didn't say, hey, give it a shot. In that day, give it a shot. You never know. You roll the dice. Sometimes you might hit it. Sometimes you might not. No, if you sign that name, you know. Notice this. Verse 24. He said, until now, you have asked nothing in my name. Ask and you will receive that your joy might be full. Think about it. Wouldn't it make you joyful if you had Bill Gates' name and you just started swinging his checkbook around? And somebody's like, who are you? You're like, I'm buying this whole business. Who are you? Because there's such power behind the name. But think, there's more power in heaven and on earth in this name. And if we don't know it, even though this change has taken place, you wouldn't be able to partake. Think of that. And there are some people who don't know, then they know about it, and then they act timid because they're like, are you sure about this? But it was Jesus talking, this is a huge change. This is why when we pray, we talk to the Father in Jesus' name. It's based on a legal right that you have with God, set up by Jesus himself to approach him on terms not based on you, but based on him. Because how many people think, well, I'm not worthy, I'm not good enough. Man, if you've got ink on your pen, you know, or whatever, or a crayon, you could sign a check from Bill Gates. He said, if you would do this and pray and talk to the Father in Jesus' name, he would grant you. And I know this, if you signed and got like, you know, a big, huge yacht with a check from Bill Gates, how many of you, your joy would be full? Well, I'd, I'd be a little happy. Well, then what if you signed another check that you would always have gas in it and all the crew you'd ever need and, and all the food you'd ever need and all the mooring you'd ever need to be anchored here and to be there, and it would never cost you anything, how many of you would have your joy full? Well, you say, it might help my joy. Well, he told you, pray this way. He would answer your prayer, and what would happen? You're, think about it. If it would happen naturally... He said, listen, this would be the result spiritually. If you'd be bold enough to use my name, and here's the thing, this was a whole change that took place. And it has changed things for anybody who would enter into this. 
there are other changes. And there are changes that are in place that you can hook up with. And then there's changes God wants to do in your life. Notice this change in Acts 1. This happened when Jesus died too and when he rose again. There were a lot of things that changed. I, I mean a lot of things that changed. But sometimes if, if we're not told, then we don't ever get to partake of them. We could, they could be ours, but we wouldn't know it and we wouldn't partake. Or somebody said, well, that's not for today or that doesn't mean everything you ask. That just means like, you know couple of things. I wish Jesus was smart enough to have told us that, but that's why he sent a man to straighten us out on what he said. Uh, no. What he said was what he meant, and he doesn't need somebody else to change what he said. Have you ever said something and somebody else changed what you said and you're like, wait a minute, I never said that. That's not what I meant. I wonder, you know, sometimes, I don't know about you, but like you ever watch a, a sporting activity on TV? Anybody? Okay, two or three people, four or five. Okay, more honest people out there. Anyway, I was going to say we're going to have another time of prayer. And... Uh, but we've all seen some sporting activity on TV, and if you're into it, how many of you have ever thought, what are you doing? Anybody ever yelled at the TV? <laughs> Stop that. No, go here. Come on. I wonder if the Lord is up in heaven going, no, I didn't ever say that. No, 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 no. And somebody, now the Lord said, but it doesn't mean everything. And he's like, no, no. But you want to know something? Your screaming at the TV doesn't change any of those athletes. They just keep going, you know, whatever. And you're thinking, wait a minute. And the Lord's probably been up there yelling a couple times too, going, wait a minute. And they just keep rambling on. How sad. When he doesn't want that. He said this is a, that was a new way of order. And it's been in existence since he died and rose again. But how many of you know that you could live 20 years on the earth, 15 years, 7 years, 50 years, 60 years, and not know that? But it doesn't mean that he didn't change it so you could use it. He changed it so you could use this. He didn't say all the good people. No, he just said... It was based on him. It's based on what he did. That's why you sign his name. Because you know how many people try to sign their own name when they pray? Well, you know, Lord, I've been good. In your name, Fred, you pray. That ain't going to do it. Yeah, well, Lord, you know, I haven't been that good, you know, the last couple weeks, but recently... Oh, that's going to go real far. Because the signature has to be backed by something. And if you're looking for your own merit, that won't fly up there. That's why people who think they can get into heaven on their own merit it won't fly. It's through the name. It's through his name and calling on his name. 
that people are saved. But right here in Acts, the first chapter, here is another change that took place and is in force today. And it was a change that has been here, been available, so that a person could give their life to the Lord and live with real power. Not earthly power in the sense of like lightning striking or something like that, but real, divine, heavenly power, or you could say this, ability. Because isn't electricity harnessed ability? I mean, it it gives us these lights, and we harness it, and we're harnessing it. We put it in batteries. We do all kinds of things. We even direct water to spin turbines, and it produces electricity, and whole cities are run by what we call them power companies, but they're producing electricity. And there is a heavenly power, but it doesn't turn on the natural lights, but it does so much. It can fulfill your life. It can give you direction. It can change your body. It can affect everything in your life. There is a divine power, but if you don't know about it or aren't in a place to connect with it because of a lack of understanding... You could live your life without it. I know this from traveling the world. It's amazing to me. I I think it would be great for every Christian that could go on a mission trip to go on a mission trip. I mean one where you go somewhere else, see where they live, see how hungry they are, how fulfilled they are, and they don't even have everything we have. And then you'd find out fulfillment doesn't come by the amassing of stuff. It comes by who you get to know, meaning the Lord. But one thing is they don't have, there's places I've been where there's no electricity. Or it's there, but they just haven't connected into it. And so they, they may be, you know, not able to buy milk and save it. There's power there, but they've never tapped into it. Never tapped into it. So when they get meat, they get enough for what they can. And then, you know, people get sick and everything because they're eating meats that are messed up because they don't have electricity to, to cool the meat and keep the meat. So bacteria grows in it. But there's power there. Power or electricity can change all kinds of things. It can change all kinds of things. But God's power can too, and it's readily available for every believer. And, it's, and this changed 2,000 years ago and has been there ever since. It's been available ever since. Long before you were intelligent, it was there. You know, because so many people are intelligent. Well, you know, I, I know some stuff. Long before you were ever that intelligent, it was there. Here's another thing. Long before you were that intelligent, there was an unseen world teeming with life. Angels, demons, God, all kinds of stuff happening. Before you ever came in contact, it was there. And it's still there. And so here in Acts 1, notice this in verse 4. It says, and this is Jesus 
talking to his disciples. He said this, And being assembled together with them, he commanded them not to depart or to wait. Not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait. Stay there for the promise of the Father, which he said, you have heard from me. And then he goes on to talk. For John truly baptized with water, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. What happened was, God poured out His Spirit through Jesus and power was made available to man. It has been available now for 2,000 years. Readily available for any man. Not just to receive it, but literally to walk in that power on a regular basis. So think about it. What would a change do like that for your life? What could that do for your life? It's an interesting thought because, you know, people feel so powerless many times, but he said he would give us his power. He made that change available for everybody, and it's not just a one-time experience. It's something to live with. It's actually God, the Holy Spirit, coming to live inside of a person and to fill them to overflowing. Would that change everything? What if that power in you could help you to pray? What if that power in you could help you to know stuff? To know what's right, know what's wrong? What if that power in you could comfort you? What if that power in you would satisfy your life if you learned how to tap into that? Is that available? It's been available. There are people in countries right now that are closed to the gospel. They don't want people to know about Jesus. And so what happens is there is life from him and there is power from him that is readily available and they'll never walk in it unless somebody tells them. And there are people that go into those countries underground, so to speak, and go in and smuggle stuff in. And, you know, nowadays we can send it through internet and send it, but some of those countries block it. Does that mean there's not power available? Does that mean there's not life available? No, it's readily available. He said, wait for it. And he told what it was. He said, Verse 8, he said, but you shall receive power or ability. And we're not talking natural ability. And this ability and this power has been available since shortly after Jesus died and rose again. Available. You just have to know how to connect to it. You need to know how to partner with the Lord. You need to know how to walk with Him. You need to know how to receive the Holy Spirit. You know, the other day I saw somebody posted something online about how to, to uh, get electricity out of a lemon. <clears throat> Only five volts. And uh, I thought, whatever. But have lemons been new? And they talked about putting five of these brass paper clips in a row, just a certain amount apart, and then 
or zinc nails on this other part and then connecting one wire to, an, uh, to one of those paper clips to the second nail in it would create a certain amount of current and then putting a wire from one out and just another from one of the nails and one of the, you know, I guess they would be brass is what they'd be clips, you know, like you get at Staples or one of those places. And then they said it would produce just a small amount of electricity. Well, I know that if you have steel wool, you can start a fire with a small amount of steel wool. You can get like a 9-volt battery that's in our sound booth and just pull it apart and you hold the one end of the steel wool to the battery and do it and just touch the other end and it'll spark and get red and just flame right up, especially real thin steel wool. I know because I used to play with those things when I was a kid. So that when they, in this video, they said, now you take this wire and you get a small piece of steel wool. I was like, it has enough to do that? You know how many lemons I've had? I've lived around lemons. I've enjoyed lemon, I've enjoyed lemonade. I've had lemon meringue pie. I've had lemon all over the place. But I never tapped in. There, there was power there, but you just had to tap in. What did I need to tap into it? Well, I needed knowledge. And that guy did that, and he touched that little piece of steel wool, and it started sparking. Well, to me, that proved there was power. I didn't just believe his report. But we should believe God's report because there is power. And you know, to pray in the Spirit and do different things like that allows for God's power to be in manifestation and work in your life. But Jesus said in verse 8, he said, but you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And it'll change things. I said, it'll change things. He said, and you... When it's come upon you, then you shall be a witness to me in Jerusalem and in all of Judea, Samaria, and to the end of the earth. That power changed their life. Decisions we make for the Lord change our life. God can deal with people and work things, and when we obey Him, they can change our whole life. Sometimes the reason why we're not satisfied or fulfilled is we just haven't made a decision when the time was there to make it. You with me? And if we would choose, it will cause you to enter in. Isaiah says this in the 19th verse in the first chapter. He said, if you would be willing, I believe most Christians for the most part are willing to do whatever the Lord wants. He said, but if you would be willing and obedient, he said, you would eat the good of the land. You would walk in whatever it is that is best from God for you. All you have to do is be willing and obedient. What I like is this. Every Christian knows God. Everybody who has given their life to the Lord knows the Lord. 
we shouldn't talk people down from that place. If you are a believer, God deals with you. Maybe not in an audible voice, which is few and far between in the Bible, but he deals with you in your spirit, and you know stuff. And if you would start calling on the Lord and talking to him, he would start dealing with you. If you've given your life to him, there is one thing that is uniform from believer to believer to believer, is God will deal with you. If you will talk to him, he will start dealing with you about steps to take, things to do. And they will always lead you into something good. They will always lead you into what is right. And those changes will change your life. But understand this, they will cause change to come through you to other people's lives too. Just know this, if you change, you will have a changing effect on people. I think that's why the enemy and old ways of thought challenge people to really go for it with God. I, I think people don't always realize that some of their hesitancy is not even from them. Some of their reasoning behind why they don't move forward with God is, is really just a lie that found its way in that said, just, just hold up. Just hold up a minute. You're not worthy enough. You're not good enough. You're going to miss out. Because he knows when you do it, not only will you not miss out, you will have an effect. God will make you an effective person in other people's lives. And not just because you're consciously trying to do it, you will just have an effect. You with me? People who will obey. But I'll tell you what, sometimes you have to fight things to obey. But if you will obey, change will come. Notice this in Matthew, the fourth chapter. Actually, this is in more than one place, and I may read or at least tell you what the other place said. You know, in the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, many of the things are repeated. Some things are not from one writer to the other. They're just them telling or giving their account of what happened when Jesus was on the earth. And so here in Matthew 4 is an incredible set of Scripture about change and what change will do for you, but also what it'll do for other people. Many times we're wanting to see change in other people's lives, but if we would just respond to the Lord, we would see a great change in our life, and then it would have an effect on other people. Notice this in Matthew 4, verse 18. It said, And Jesus, walking by the Sea of Galilee, saw two brothers, Matthew 4, 18. Simon called Peter Andrew his, and Andrew his brother. They were casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. So these guys are fishing away, and they're casting in their nets, and Jesus says something to them. It said, and he said to them, follow me. Follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. He said, if you will just respond to me, your life will change this day. Think about the change. The change would be 
what you did before will be totally different from now on. Now, I understand this. The Lord doesn't call everybody away from their job, but he does call everybody away from themselves in this aspect of doing things our own way only. Christianity and serving God never hits its full potential when you're still the one calling the shots. But it hits its full potential when you just do whatever he says to you. When you just go full in and go, okay, whatever you deal with me about, I'll do it. And when you do that, it will bring about a change in you, and then it will have a rippling effect in your life, in your family. I mean, some of it will be positive, and some of it will be negative. We should be honest about that. Jesus was. He said, if you follow me, he said, it's gonna, for some of you, it's going to split your house. You just have to know that going in. It'll split your house. Some houses, the whole house will come in. Some houses will be split. He said a house will then become divided. He said three will be for me and two will be against. Thank God for houses that are all for him. But should that be something we measure and go, hey, and I believe this, you can expect God and pray, and God will work on your house. That's why as a believer, you should marry a believer. Because you sure don't want to marry into a divided house. But the fact of the matter is, it will bring change to you. I mean, I know in my personal experience from all the years, and not that I've been in the ministry that long, but from 1989 or 90 till now, I've seen a number of things. I remember uh, this one girl who was just, um, she, was a, uh, she was a Hindu, and her uh, father was, or grandfather, was like a Hindu-type priest. <clears throat> so the family forbade them from, you know, anything else other than Hinduism. And they had come to the United States, and she became friends with one of my youth workers while they were, when I was a youth pastor at this college. So he started talking to her about the Lord and what it could do for her life. And she realized she grew up in this family system and all this stuff, and she was totally dissatisfied. And her family would not let her come to the church. So she had to do a report for school. And so she decided, I'm going to do it on religions. She had enough sense. She said, so, so she asked this guy, could I go to your church and then interview your, your youth pastor that you've talked about? So she came. And she came and she sat down one day after service and we were in the youth room and there was other people in there. And, but we were just sitting in two of the chairs like this and we were talking. She started asking questions. I'd start answering and God's power started moving and gripping her heart. I, I started talking to her. I said, you know right now inside what I'm telling you is real and that Jesus is the only way. And she said, I really do. She said, I know it. I, I know it beyond I, in my mind. I, I know it. It's real. And she said, but if I go this way, my family will disown me. I said, but you know it's real, so the choice is yours. 
And she said, I, I want to do this. She said, he has made himself real to me. I want to do it. So she prayed and gave her life to the Lord. Do you know her family threw her out? <clears throat> Just threw her out. So that's it. Took her car away from her. Everything. That was it. She was willing, though. After she came back, she started coming to church. And so she'd just come into the youth room and then, you know, on, on Wednesday nights. She said, this is it. And she didn't give up. And her family said, you can relinquish all that and get rid of that and we'll take you back. And she said, no, I'm not going to do it. And I'll tell you what, it was just a short time after, actually, I was going to buy a car. And I was going to take my old car and use it as a down payment. I was going to pay cash on this new one. But I thought, well, I'll add rims and tires and do this and bring the, you know, the amount down and I'll do this. And I had the car there. And I remember getting ready to sign the papers. And something inside of me arrested me. And I just knew, give that car to her. So I went, all right, I guess I won't get rims and tires. <laughs> it was a nice car anyway. But so I just said, well, Lord, you know the desires of my heart. And, uh, but I know she's given up all to follow you. And what's interesting is sometimes people don't realize if they'll give up all to follow him, it may seem like you're losing at first but you won't. Jesus said there's nobody who gives up lands, houses, brothers, fathers, sisters, family, anything that they will not receive back now in this lifetime a hundredfold, he said, with persecution. You get it, but you're going to get it with some persecution. And she was, she was persecuted. And I remember taking the car and telling the guy, I can't give you this and I said, well, he said, well, don't you want all this other stuff? I said, no, I'd, I, I, I could have spent the money. And I thought, well, I'm just not going to spend the money on that. And what happened was, what's so interesting, when I got the car, it was a brand new Lexus. They drove it up. It was black. There were two softball-sized dents in the top of the roof when they drove it up, you know. And I was like, what is this? And I thought, and they said, well, we'll look for another one, you know, whatever. We'll find, I said, you won't find one. They couldn't find one. They finally, we found one with a different steering wheel. When the guy found out what had happened, he said, well, I'll give you this and I'll give you rims. I'll give you all this if you come over here and I'll give it at this price, which was even lower. So I got everything I wanted when I was willing to do whatever he wanted. They got the car, but that girl needed a car. She needed more than that. Sometimes people think they're missing out when they go all in. But it'll bring change because Jesus said it would. That girl actually later on, her family started coming around to it, started accepting her back. I mean, it took months and months. Then start to see her sister come. But I'm telling you what, there is a price to obey. Sometimes people think it costs too much, but eventually it'll pay. Sometimes people don't realize what you're holding back for is actually robbing you. 
this story right here in the 18th verse, he said, he said he, they were casting nets. And he said, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. Immediately, it said, they immediately let their nets or left their nets and followed him. If you read the other stories and other accounts, like in Luke, uh, some other things happened. They were actually catching a great multitude when this happened, and the Lord called them. And they were doing well for themselves. And Peter said this, he said, Lord, leave me. Depart from me. I'm a sinful man. I don't measure up. You want me to come and do this and surrender all? I can't do that. I, I can't do that. Let me say something to you. Whatever the Lord asks you to do, He doesn't need your response to say, well, I'm not good enough. I'm not great enough. I'm not worthy enough. I'm not this. I'm not that. I, you probably totally caught him off guard. I'm sure Peter did that day. Jesus said, whoa, wait a minute. I didn't realize you weren't worthy. Well, we'll just go down to the other fishermen down there because they obviously are worthy and you're not. And I know God totally made a mistake when he started dealing with you and dealing with me to call you. No, God knew where he was. But God tries to change where we're at, change who we are, so we can become. Because notice, he didn't say, you are this right now. He said, I will make you this if you will obey me and follow me. He didn't say, you are a fisher of men. He didn't say, you already have arrived. You're already this great person. You're already this. He said, but if you will do what I tell you to do, he said, I will make you into something that you are not. And here is the thing. He knows where you are when he starts dealing with you. That's important to know because he knows every flaw. You know, this was not a new revelation for Jesus concerning Peter or God. And he didn't just do it all perfect after either, but God didn't give up on him. And if he wouldn't on Peter, it was written so we would know he won't give up on us. But what does he want? He wants us to follow him. And when he followed him, what he didn't realize was going to be a life of tremendous influence. Sometimes people don't realize those little steps where they actually will take you. He said, I'm going to make you into a fisher of men. Think about what was about to happen. Peter, who felt inferior about what the Lord wanted him to do, the first time he gives an altar call, you know, to call people to serve and give their lives to Jesus, 3,000 people responded. How did that happen? It happened from a series of events called obeying the Lord. The first one was, follow me. So he, he followed him for a while. One of the other ones was, wait here until you receive power. Sit there until you get this power. Then he followed and preached and did what he was already told to do. Here's what we need to understand about our lives. There are times of change. 
There are changes that come. You don't have to force them. But one thing you need to do in life is obey the Lord. I will guarantee you this. I can give you instruction out of the Word of God. I can teach the truth out of the Word of God. But the Lord will deal with your heart if you'll just start talking to Him.